Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am Scott Belanger, aka Jax Falcone on Twitter, at Dino Game Theory. This is episode seven. Let's roll, baby. And now, your Undrafted Sponsor of the Day. Today's sponsor is Monkey Knife Fight. The season is underway, but with the amount of injuries piling up with star players, DFS is a great way to stay engaged with the season if you're already tilting. Monkey Knife Fight is a different type of DFS experience, offering both fantasy point and stat-based contests. One of Jackson and I's personal favorites is the more or less contest. You choose the over-under totals for a preset combination of different players. You can even parlay to multiply your winnings. Use promo code UND when you sign up at monkeyknifefight.com and get an instant 100% match on your deposit up to $50. That's right, 100% match on your deposit. Check it out at monkeyknifefight.com. Again, promo UND. Now, back to the pod. Week four, nearly in the books. We survived a, a COVID scare, or at least we weathered a COVID scare. We kind of step into. We're recording this on a Sunday night, so we did watch the the, the San Francisco uh, Eagles game. We haven't seen you know the Monday night action, which of course this will come out on Tuesday morning. Uh, so aside from the, the the Monday night action, we should be up to speed. Um, but I I got to talk uh, uh, briefly about a little uh, something that we did mention on the podcast last week. Um, you know, I had that little back and forth with Randall. And I mentioned uh, the Alvin Kamara thing, which was like, you know, Alvin Kamara, I said, term, you know, you, you know where Alvin Kamara would rank if he were a wide receiver in total receiving yards. And of course, Randall either cheated, I, I think he cheated, or he's as smart as none of us know he is, whatever. And he, he was right, man. He's like fourth or fifth, whatever the answer was. And then, you know, we sort of, I workshopped that a bit and I looked at it and I tweeted it out and... Lo and behold, the king, the king of all media, uh, the king of all fantasy football media, Matthew Barry retweeted it with two simple words, great stat. And, uh, you know, certainly got, you know, run with and it got retweeted by Bleacher Report. And, they, you know, they sort of mentioned my name and it was all over Reddit and all this sort of thing. And it was pretty cool. And, and of course, the NFL, you know, loved it so much. They retweeted it or tweeted it, but they didn't uh, credit me. And uh, it was it was something, man, because there were people on there defending me who I didn't ask to do anything. Uh, we're just on there, you know, ripping NFL. It was pretty crazy. It was this amazing situation. And if you didn't catch it, I guess, uh, you know, maybe you were sleeping. But it was it was pretty cool. It was my moment of glory. All that being said, it was just a silly little stat. And I find it interesting sometimes what uh, what Twitter finds entertaining. Apparently, that's that's the stuff. So if I could can that, I guess. I guess that's the stuff that sells, but you know, I just thought it was a cool little stat, but it, I had to address it cause it just tripped me out, man. I was just, I was just watching that stuff going, going pretty crazy. So special shout out and thanks to, you know, Dan, AWL Sabermetrics. He's man. I tell you, if you ever, if you're ever in a barroom fight, that's the dude you want next to you. He was out there taking haymakers at people. Uh, he, he's a good dude. So thanks again, brother. But um, tonight, you know, this morning, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, I have the coolest guest ever, man. I have one of my favorite people anywhere. I mean, he's just so interesting. Some of you may know him. I don't know. I mean, uh, he's part of the undroppables. He's just a great dude. I'll tell you a little bit about him after I bring him on because he's got a pretty cool story. But with us today is Mark Mathic. Mark Mathic has done so many 
uh, so many things in the fantasy industry. He's worked for and done some writing for Player Profile, amongst others. Uh, he's done a lot of contributing there. Uh, he and a partner of his own a Viridian Global, which is a you know basic a graphic arts company that does T-shirts and all sorts of graphics for especially for you know Twitter and all sorts of cool stuff. Man, he's just done so many cool things. And and he and I really met on Twitter because we were swimming in the same circles and we seem to always collide and have very similar you know, thought processes. And uh, he and I became friends well before Undroppables. And what's cool about it is I didn't really even bring him onto the team. He came in because other people respected him. So full circle, man. Mark Mathic, what is up, brother? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just watching the uh, the Kansas City game. Oh, oh, yeah. You haven't seen that game yet. Um, it's on in China. We're, we're a few hours ahead of you, so just watching the home. Wait, wait, day. wait, wait. Hold on a minute. So it's Sunday night here. The game just ended. I'm in America. I'm in California. You're 15 hours ahead of me. It's Monday there is what you're telling me? It's Monday. It's Monday. It's a beautiful Monday in sweet Shanghai. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. So it's still you're still on the same planet as us, right? I mean, because it's still Sunday here. So obviously it's Sunday there too. But what time is it? I have no idea. No, it's 12.25 p.m. It's lunchtime. This guy's crazy. See, I told you I'd bring him on and he'd start telling me it's a different day. I don't even know what he's talking about. But, you know, he's he's been writing me little letters from Shanghai and, you know, I've been getting him. He, he's out there and he keeps telling me the news because he's 15 hours ahead. So he's always telling me what's going to happen. And that's part of the reason I'm so good at this fantasy football thing is that Mark is the one who tells me all of the answers. Like, I know what's going to happen ahead of time. And so sometimes when I have a little smart tweet like that, you guys think I like Gabriel Davis or something, he's going to be good. It's not. I'm not. It's just Mark is 15 hours ahead. He's seen the game. It's already like sometimes I have to wake him up because like it's 15 hours. Kind of weird timing. He's the one that's giving me all this information. Mark, the the cat's out of the bag. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't play Sammy Watkins. Anyway, I don't want to predict too much down the road, but don't play Sammy Watkins. So anyway, <laughs> we're a few hours ahead, but the game hasn't started. That's to be, that, I was going to be fair. Say. And I, I, yeah, you're 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 kind of spilling the beans because it would be twelve o'clock noon. You're just having lunch, getting ready for the game. I mean, you totally spoiled it. I think we might have had a few people fooled. <laughs> Although the people who we might have fooled probably weren't math majors to begin with, so they probably wouldn't figure it out. They were just like, "Whoa, Shanghai is ahead." Maybe it, you know, that, like they probably wouldn't have figured it out anyway. Plus, if you saw my fantasy football teams, you know that, that that's not working out for me. <laughs> well, no, so. no, you don't know because you're in real time. But you could tell me. That's why I'm good. You're not good. You tell me. Oh, that's great. Is this kind of jump into a future thing, I think? Yeah, you don't don't have anybody 15 hours ahead of you. You guys are on the very, you know, it happens there first. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I got the raw end of that deal. Yeah. I got the raw end end of that deal for sure. Yeah, if you wanted some help from me, I think you'd have to move to Australia. Maybe. G'day, mate. (laughs) I I need to get a friend from Australia. Hey, mate. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'll I'll work on that. I've got so many things to do, Jax. Or should I call you great... That's Falcone. We had a we had a wonderful day. We had a wonderful day at the Falcone Estates. Uh, you know, my wife went wine tasting. I had the kids. Um, you know, it was it was football. Those afternoon games were so terrible that it left me time to spend with my children and actually talk to them. It was really quite a quite a day. I gotta say. I gotta tell you though, because I I miss the the one o'clock games because I'm asleep. Right. So it's it's a real detriment to me. So I, I go to bed probably when they start. And so maybe I'll watch, if I'm lucky, I'll watch a quarter because it's Monday and I'm usually back at work. And so I'll, I'll maybe 
nip and watch the first quarter of a Gardner Minshew game, but then I'm I'm lights out. And so it's like Christmas every Monday morning when I wake up because I'll see the the scores and the stats and everything. And the one o'clock games are so exciting and and so high scoring. And so then I'm up to watch the the you know the catch that second half of the afternoon games and the night games. So the night games are usually good, but usually the afternoon games are garbage. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Disappointing. And always bad for my football teams too. All all my fantasy football teams tend to like I'm 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 up. And then those afternoon games come and I'm like, you know, biting my nails, hoping I'm going to eke out a win. Yeah, it's got to be pretty surreal, actually, just the the different schedule and when things come on. And, you know, I would I would delve deeper into that. But I don't think any of our listen, listeners really care about you or, you know, what the hell's going on in Shanghai. None of nothing that happens in Shanghai is going to help them set their lineup next week. So, you know, I'm going to skip it. You know, I'm really interested. I would I would tell you this. Listen, maybe off the air we could talk about it. But I'm moving on. Is that okay with you? Hey, it's not the first time someone said that they don't really care about me, so <laughs> I'm good with it. Oh, man. My guy, my guy, Mark Mathic, the absolute man. You can find him at, what is it, Master, at Master June what? Isn't it something? What is it? 70. 70. At Master June 70. You know, yeah. in all my times in knowing you, I don't know what it means, and I don't even want to know. I just want it, I want it to be like the lyrics of one of my favorite songs where I get to make it up in my own head, so don't tell me. However, the first part of it, his name on, on Twitter is Minshew Brofist, and he's throwing the Brofist right in your face on his avatar. I mean, we all know what that means. Gardner Minshew, absolute stud, uh, actually played pretty good today, uh, but uh, to no avail. They, they were unable to win. He's, he's, a, he's a great quarterback, one of the most underrated quarterbacks. I mean, everybody's talking about him, you know, you know, Jacksonville tanking for Trevor and all this kind of stuff, but I, I've backed him up 150%. I think he's a good quarterback. And, you know, he's on a bad team. We got to face it. Like he's, he's, he's got his back against the wall. And I mean, he threw for over 350 yards today and they didn't win, but I mean, the guy is, the guy is special. So you, you just got to watch him play to see that, you know what, there's more to this guy than just a six round draft pick. No doubt, man. I mean, he plays with that moxie, he plays you know, it, but he also throws the ball well and he, he moves, he moves well to avoid trouble, which he's in a lot because they've got like the youngest offensive line in the league. And, you know, so, you know, they've got some shortcomings. Certainly their defense isn't good. I mean, he put 25 points on the board. Um, you know, he, he, he threw for, like you said, 351 and two touchdowns, you know, look, that may not be always good enough to win, but it's pretty damn good in this league. And uh, he did go up against Joe Burrow, who who he bested in terms of yardage and touchdowns, but but they ran all over him. Mixon went crazy, um, you know. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, as you know, we're gonna we're gonna touch some of the dynasty stuff that's going on. But you know, Mixon I thought really uh, saved himself and kind of moved himself into a position where you know buying Mixon before he faces the Jaguars is always a great idea. I know I tried to a little bit, and I probably wasn't aggressive enough because uh, I, I attained zero shares of Mixon before this game, even though I was sort of aware that it was a good time to get him. Uh, did you try or were you aware or did you get him? I have a lot of mixing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, w- I was drinking quite heavily before the game and I was drinking quite heavily after the game for different reasons. Now I've been drinking quite heavily because of Joe Mixon, because he's been so bad. I'm not even going to tell you that I drafted him instead of Alvin Kamara and Scott Fishbowl. Ooh. That's, that's another story, but yeah. Woof. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know. Well, hey, you know what? I'm going to call him second half Mixon because he seems to really stink it up the first half of the season. And he always seems to put it together in the second half. So I'm I'm pushing for that same kind of, um, you know, that same kind of direction is that he's done in the past where he, he starts off a little slow. You know, he wasn't even going to play. There was like talk that he was hurt. And I, I just had this feeling that he was going to, uh, you know, prove the doubters wrong. And I'm a happy camper because of it. He got like over 40 fantasy points. He, he was great. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of those running backs and we'll, we'll, we'll touch back on, on Mixon a little bit later uh, as we pair him with somebody else that I think is, is, um, is doing quite well right now. But one thing I, I think is fun is, you know, we, we post our, our rankings on the undroppables.com. I do encourage you to go to the undroppables.com. I, you know, every Sunday morning and for Mark, it's every like, I don't know, Monday uh, at midnight or whatever the hell it is. But for, for the rest of us, normal <laughs> folks, every Sunday morning, you know, as we wake up and we start to set our lineups, you know, on the West coast, it's a little earlier uh, East coast, you guys get to one, but uh, that morning it's a lot of scrambling, you know, making sure you're reading the right information, making sure that you're checking rankings, making sure that you're checking injury updates, making sure that you're just prepared to play your best lineup, whether it's one lineup or 50, like like some of our uh, uh, cohorts at, at the Undroppables who play in too many leagues. But regardless of what it is, you're starting to set that lineup. You know, I did. I was on the Undroppables this morning. I was looking at a lot of the stuff. You know, there's a lot of great articles, our rankings, et cetera. You know, one thing I used to do before, you know, I had my rankings housed on a website is I used to always I was workshopping them to some degree and I'd almost workshop them on Twitter. I would send out my top 12 or this or whatever the hell and let people pick it apart. And I didn't have a problem with it. Nobody's hurting my feelings. And sometimes when you hear people's opinion, it either makes you more strident in your opinion or you say, you know what, they may be right. I, I may be overlooking this or that or overvaluing this or that. And I love it. So even the, the complete morons who get on there and say the dumbest stuff, I, I welcome all that feedback. And, you know, it, it does help me to some degree, uh, you know, be, become better. Um, Mark, I know that you don't house rankings here, but have you ever done a bit of rankings or, 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 or not? I have actually. And I, I started a, um, a rankings this year. I did last year as well. I, I forget what uh, site it is, but I've been invited by, I think it's like the football diehards and I started posting my rankings on there but the 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 application was so hard and it kept on like freezing and and so I got it just got to the point where it, it became so, so much time and energy that I that I just ended up giving up but I have a lot of respect for you guys um that do the rankings because I mean especially this year with with all the <laughs> the injuries we've had the covid things I mean it's just been crazy and to keep it going. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's changing like every minute. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And, you know, it, if you're going to have active, if you're going to have rankings, they have to be kind of active. Otherwise you're wasting people's time. And I had uh, someone comment, um, but I, you know, I sort of linked our rankings to, so, so today, anyway, I did uh, this morning, I, I sent out my top 12 or maybe last night. I don't know. I'm always, you know, whatever the hell it was my top 12, uh, basically my WR ones, my RB ones, my tight end ones. And I don't think I did quarterbacks, but you know, and, and, and below that I attached our rankings. And one of the guys said something like these, I've been scouring all the rankings out there and these guys keep theirs the most updated. And I was like, that's actually the best compliment he can pay us 
because there is a lot of effort that's going into it. And you're right, man. I mean, or that guy's right, whoever he is, I'm not, you know, quoting him, but you know, the, the thing about it was like, I used to go to ranking services and they, they wouldn't be updated. Well, then they're no good. It's garbage because if it's not updated, it doesn't, ha- it, there's nothing to, to look at. It's, 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 it's irrelevant information. It's literally yesterday's newspaper and it doesn't have any actionable influence. And so, you know, I love that we press, you know, I'm the lead ranker. I have the, the ignominious job of, of telling all these guys to, you know, uh, Hey, do you mind doing your rankings? And of course they mind it sucks, but you know, we do mind, but we do do it because at the end of the day, it's, if, if, if you're not going to, there's no value in it. So I really appreciated that. And so I, I took some of the feedback and it was kind of interesting. I posted my wide receiver rankings and, you know, I, it was before the game uh, and I had CD lamb uh, as my dynasty wide receiver seven or eight. I'm going to look it up now, but wide receiver seven or eight. And I know a lot of people sort of didn't like that because, you know, who the hell is a CD lamb up there with all these other good wide receivers. And, and I think maybe some of the doubters were, sort of silence a little bit today. I know you didn't see the game because you were, you know, uh, snoozing in Shanghai, but um, did you see what you see what CD did? Could you say that it was silencing the lambs? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I did. I mean, two, two touchdowns. I mean, ugh, when your quarterback is throwing it for 500 yards a game, I mean, and Michael Gallup, well, we could talk about him later, but um, C.D. Lamb's been way more consistent than Gallup. I mean, he's actually been more consistent than Amari Cooper. So I'm I, I'm not surprised that you have him ranked so high. I mean, coming out of Oklahoma, I mean, he was the number one wide receiver. I mean, in the conversation with Jerry Judy and most of us like Lamb better. So and he's just, you know, quietly he's he's actually been very quiet, but he's been very, very productive. You know, quietly productive, sneaky lamb, sneaky lamb. Well, well, one of the reasons he's been sneaky is before today, he hadn't scored a touchdown. And so the touchdowns spike those points and he had been targeted, you know, a ton more than Gallup. Um, You know, he had had a ton of receiving yards. He was very efficient, uh, both in per catch and per target and, you know, catch percentage and really everything. And of course he was. And, um, you know, so... Today, he just happened to find the end zone twice. Again, not surprising. Um, you know, I, I really thought this kid was elite. And then when he got drafted by the Cowboys, I thought, well, he's going to have to find his way onto the field. I, he kicked down the door and was like, hey, I'm open. You know, this kid is just awesome. It's kind of strange because really, after he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, there wasn't really a lot said about Lamb. It wasn't like he was tearing it up, you know, before and and there was not a lot of hype around him as, as you would have expected. But again, when we're looking at dynasty players or even redraft players that, that are on the waiver wire, we're always looking at targets. It's not about touchdowns. It's about targets because touchdowns will come. Touchdowns are arbitrary, but targets are something, if they're consistent, that's the guy that you want to get. That That's exactly right, man. You know, generally the, when you're looking even deeper, you're looking at right snaps, I mean, just a guy getting on the field and then you look at targets. You're absolutely right. You know, maybe even routes run, then targets. And this is a great dynasty game theory spot right here because, you know, you and I talk about how our processes are very similar and what we look at and what we're trying to find. And, you know, you don't have to have some super computer and some super, you know, model process to even just have a very simple process of 
how do I go about finding a player that 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 I'm, I'm a, a sleeper, a guy that's about to break out? You start with snaps. You go to routes run. Then you go to targets, and you're absolutely right. You know, if you're looking on a base level on a redraft league, just look at targets. That's the guy who's probably going to get more. And, you know, so, yeah, that's where you're looking. And, and then if you have enough targets, you start looking at efficiency metrics and seeing how that player, you know, average depth of target, how, how far down the field are they getting, um, what's their catch percentage, what's their, you know, what's their, um, you know, yards per target, uh, yards after catch per target, right? Those types of things. You know, once they have, you're looking for volume times efficiency equals production. It's very simple. Volume times efficiency equals production. And you're looking for that volume first. And if you're finding a guy who's starting to increase his volume and, you know, Traquan Smith, perfect example. I I think we're going to talk about him later too. But Traquan Smith, you know, was always very efficient. He didn't have a lot of targets. So historically, he, he was flying under the radar for a lot of fantasy gamers because he wasn't getting a lot of uh, opportunity, but his the opportunities that he was getting were super efficient. And when he's super efficient, now you inject the opportunities and what happens? He has a big game again today. So, you know, that's where you're looking for those things. And that's why you want to understand, hey, who's an efficient player and who's a high volume player? And if you can find someone who's going to be both, wheels up, baby. And, that, and that's CeeDee Lamb. And that's what we're looking at. We know he's awesome. Will he get the volume? Yes, he is. So now that he's getting the volume in the first two, three, four now games of his of his professional career on a team, well, and you pointed it out, is very lucky that there's so many targets to go around because they are hideous on defense and can't stop. I mean, they can't stop, a, you know, uh, nothing, uh, nobody. Um, so they're going to get trucked, I feel like, every week uh, on defense. And therefore, you know, Dak's going to have to throw it through 58 times over 500 yards, as you point out. And that is the soup we want to be swimming in for uh, fantasy points for the receivers. So Amari and CeeDee Lamb are both in my dynasty top 12. And 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 Gallup's probably, uh, I'm, without looking, I'm sure he's in my top 24. So, I mean, and we see why. Well, I don't know about swimming in soup, Jax, but I'll tell you, you hit the nail right on the head. You want to target teams that have bad defenses that throw often, and it's Dallas, it's Seattle. Um, that's why I was so high on Cincinnati players at the beginning of the season was because I, I just thought their defense would be bad and they would have to be throwing behind from behind, and that's why I was big on Burrow. So, and it's kind of funny that you mentioned um, snaps versus say targets, and you know we're in involved in so many leagues and some leagues are like 12 team leagues, 12 team leagues. I tend to look at more just targets. Cause you can just look at that and that's enough. Cause there's enough guys on the waiver wire to just look at that stat. But if you're looking at like 20, 20 or 16 team leagues that, you know, the waiver wire is really thin and there's not, there's a lot of uh, names out there that you've not even heard of. Then you, then you start looking at snap share and then you kind of look at snap share versus targets. So you know, a guy could be on the field for 59 uh, snaps, but if he's only getting one target and, th- and then you can look at consistency over weeks. Right. So if the guy's been on the field for a, on an average of, you know, 45 snaps, but only gets, you know, a target a game, you might want to, you know, not look at that guy as one of the, the people that you're going to pick up. Whereas if you're looking at a more of an efficient guy, like you were saying, Traquan Smith, who maybe only consistently gets 20 snaps a game but gets four to five targets that those are the guys that you might want to pick up 
Yeah, I love that. That's exactly right. And, you know, you look at certain guys, like they play a lot, but they don't get targeted. You know, they probably have limited ceiling, right? They haven't been able to show themselves in an immense number of opportunities. Something's not right. So you said it really well. Um, I, You know, these two guys were high for me. They, they remain very high for me after today's game. It's going to be a great season for all Dallas players. Um, and somehow, you know, it's not like they were going to throw in the towel because that division, you know, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are in first place with a one, two, and one record. They storm into first place with their first win of the season in week four. Just a pathetic, pitiful division. I mean, what an embarrassment. Wow. <laughs> that, that East division unbelievable i mean it's just unbelievable so so it's still in my opinion it's still dallas's division to lose i mean uh we we would probably agree that if philadelphia had a better o-line had wide receivers that were still healthy um maybe they would push uh, dallas for that uh, top spot and even though they're winning it right now i still feel like dallas is the team to beat in that division yeah, somehow I agree with you 100%. And it's weird because, you know, at some point that defense is going to come to roost, right? Like that can't, that can't, well, it hasn't, they haven't won. They were one and three, but, you know, we're, we're still sort of, I guess, hoping in one hand and you know whating in the other hand. But, you know, I'm not so sure that they are. Maybe, maybe they're not. Maybe we should really re look at that. But their offense is definitely going to be the best in the division. That goes without saying. But, they, the coaching, the defense, it's just really ugly. Even Dak to some degree, you know, as good as he is and as prolific as he is, you know, ev like he had a fumble. I mean, he just, there's some plays that you're just like, is he paying attention? Like, so I'm not so sure. It's pretty interesting, but they're going to be fantasy gold for sure. That goes without saying. And they're going to be in this division the whole way because it's so terrible. You know, we talked about Traquan Smith. There was another, you know, I, by the way, he was on my preseason buys uh, list. So if you did buy him, congratulations. You're very, very welcome. Uh, that's what I do here. Um, this is this is why you either follow me or listen. Uh, Traquan Smith. There's another one that I mentioned, and it was as soon as Russell Wilson broke out, I think it was with Stoner. I don't remember. You know, Week one or two it was. I said, look, I'm interested in all the pieces of the Russell Wilson uh, puzzle. And David Moore was the guy I mentioned, and, and he had a big day again today. And look, it, there's just it's just too much volume for it to be concentrated on just those two guys. Now those two guys are going to be great, DK and and Lockett. But you know if Lockett gets hurt, which I, you know, I don't know if he was uh, shaken up a little bit today, but I think he's okay. I, I didn't check. Um, but even with them on the field, David Moore is going to get spike games. And if either one of them were to go down, it seems like David Moore would be an absolute uh, fountain of fantasy points. Um, you know, just patting myself on the back here a little bit, Mark. Would you would you give me a little uh, pat on the back, please? Please clap. I, I would. <laughs> and it, would, it would be an odd pat because it would be like a future pat mm -hmm. because I'm in the future. So, but the interesting thing about David Moore as well, and I think you, you kind of mentioned this on Twitter, not David Moore, but... Um, Who's the guy that that had the big day on Thursday night for the Jets? Oh yeah, like Jeff, Jeff Smith. Uh, yes, you said that's not even a real name. <laughs> yeah. I think people look at David Moore. Yeah, I think Dave, David Moore is is another name where people look at the name and and I I think I'm guilty of this as well. 
because David Moore has been around for a few years and he's, he's had some big games and then he kind of falls off the face of the earth, but his name is not that exciting. You know, I was more interested in Amara Darbo back in the day <laughs> yes. and I, you know, like loved his story and you know, where is he now? And David Moore is just one of those guys that just keeps hanging around. He, I, I don't even know if he was drafted. If he was drafted, I think he was a sixth or seventh round kind of like late rounder. And, um, his, you know, David Moore, it's, it's a pretty common, boring, uh, generic name. And so when you're combing the waiver wire and you see names like Braxton Berrios and David Moore, you're, you're going you're gonna to hedge towards the Berrios because it's a way, way cooler name. But David Moore is a guy that, yeah, he's, he's put together a couple good games already this year. So he's a guy that maybe people, you could take advantage of people like me and, um, you know, na- name-ism people. And you can take advantage of those people and pick up those guys on the waiver wire for, you know, if you're having a fab budget, you could probably pick them up for less than more and um, feel good about yourself. I love this take. This is my favorite take. Um, So, oh my God, I will find it because I'm the receipt king and I will post it on Twitter. But I said this years ago when, when George Kittle got drafted. First of all, the headshot, he didn't have the cool like mullet long hair thing. He was just like had a regular weird white guy haircut and he just looked like he was very pasty and his name was George Kittle. He looked like your like high school science teacher. You know, he George Kittle was never going to be good. Like there was no way Like you looked at the, the headshot. There was just no chance. Everybody was off George Kittle. And of course, you know, I'm one of the OG George Kittle truthers. Like this is like my G and, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round, but dude was an athletic freak. He, he mauled people in the running game and it turned out he was so, so much cooler than we ever thought. But I swear to God, I I felt like he was a name-ism guy as well. Um, But you're absolutely right. David Moore feels boring. Uh, You know, I've heard uh, Matt Kelly say it sounds like a fake school East Central Oklahoma, like that sounds that sounds like a high school. Like that's not even a that's not a college. That, I don't have never heard of. It. First of all, is it East or Central? That's in Canada. It's an oxymoron. It's like, got to be in Canada. Yeah, it's got to be in Canada. Yeah, definitely. East Central Oklahoma. Like, which one is it? East or Central? I don't know. But you know, look, David Moore is still only twenty five years old. Uh, he he has an eighty eighth percentile speed score. We're in a four point four eight. Uh, he was drafted in the seventh round, so Mark Mathick knows what's up. Um, you know, but he he has a pretty good little profile. Um, he just he's a small school late round, but he's got athleticism, he's got juice, and he looked pretty good again today. So you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's going to do some something crazy as a, as a crazy breakout. But in deep leagues where you play a lot of flexes, which I know I played a lot of dynasty leagues like that. I think he's a good buy just because he's so cheap, but I think maybe, uh, you know, you might have to overpay right now and, and it's never a good idea to overpay unless you're paying for, uh, you know, a player who is ascending. Um, and speaking of ascending, um, you know, we have two players that I'd love to see who you'd prefer. So right now your, your, your boyfriend's running mate, DJ Chark and Terry McLaurin, you know, if you could just have one of those guys on a, on a team, you, your choice. You're on the clock. Who are you taking, DJ Chark or Terry McLaurin for Dynasty? Oh, I'm going to go with DJ McLaurin. Yeah, he's better. He's better than Terry Chark. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, um, I was not a big believer neither. And the reason why was 
was kind of a Matt Kelly process because I'm a, a little bit of a Matt Kelly disciple and neither of them were, were really um, productive in uh, college. Neither, um, Chark is actually a little bit slender in size, so he lacks the BMI. So, you know, he, and he was an odd, I remember uh, listening to the, because again, I couldn't watch it, but this was uh, when when the draft was on during the year that, DJ Chark was drafted and he went in the second round and he was actually a guy who wasn't even on my radar. And I was starting to follow uh, rookies a lot more then, um, a lot more now, but um, I started then and he was kind of like, who, who is this guy? And then after that first year that he basically did nothing. Um, and then last year he just took off. Um, it's, it's tough, uh, but I, you know, I, I do like DJ Chark and I know you do too. I, I still have to go with Terry McLaurin though. There's just something about that guy. I don't know what what, what it is, and he's defi- to me he's defying everything. He's he's got no quarterback. He hasn't had a quarterback. At least I can say that DJ Chark's probably got the maybe the best quarterback ever to ever play, or you know, in the top ten. But you know, when you've got Haskins throwing you the ball, you you had what? Uh, who was the quarterback last year? Um, Case Keenum. I mean, he's had. <laughs> Nothing like he's he's kind of like a newer, younger version of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, basically he can perform with whoever's throwing him the ball and dominate. I love both players. I disagree with you. I'll take Chark, uh, but I, I, you know, you ask for these questions because the, the they're hard. And you know, for me, DJ Chark is. I think he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. Um, he's also a full year younger. I mean, I think he was drafted a year earlier, uh, but then he's still a full year younger than Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin came out a little old. He's 25 years old. Uh, Chark just turned 24, like I think days ago or something like that. Uh, look, you know, they're both drafted right around, you know, the, the start of, uh, round three. I mean, I think he, uh, McLaurin was an early third. Chark was a late second. Um, I, I think what we got clouded by with, uh, Chark was a little bit of raw number hunting with that LSU team that at the time they like threw for like 1500 yards a season or something like that. But, you know, he averaged 22 yards a catch. He, he, he was, he was prolific. He, he, you know, he made plays when the plays were there. They just weren't a lot of plays to be made in that offense. And then I think I was with you, by the way, I was not a big fan of either player coming out and, and maybe it's a little bit of the Matt Kelly disciple thing too. I do. I do like Matt's process. But I think more so it was also my process, which I, you know, obviously all of our processes are not, they're, none of them are unique, so to speak, right? It's not like, well, I look at the, you know, hairline and if they, you know, right? I mean, it's like, you know, we all kind of look at the same stuff, but I think I may have overvalued some of some of those things. And, and then, of course, the rookie season with Chark, like completely threw us off because, you know, he was, he was nobody. And, and you start to say, well, maybe this kid, it turned out he was just young. And he didn't play in a in a in a passing offense that was you know twenty uh, first century. I don't even think it was twentieth century. I think you know this was a stone rock ball. You know, um, so not a very good offense. So he needed that year to sort of catch up. It wasn't a good team. We've already we've already admitted that. So I think he's really they both succeeded despite being in terrible organizations with you know awful coaching and you know just. I mean, right? I mean, there's just nothing much going on. Bad quarterback player, at least below average. Uh, Chark kind of has as Gardner now, with, who can who can make some plays. 
Um, but I think uh, Terry McLaurin had like 14 targets today. Uh, he demands targets. He's great. They both ran in the low four threes. These guys are blazing athletes. Neither of them are too small. But to me, it's Chark. And because I've seen Chark make some, and I can't say that I haven't seen McLaurin, but I've seen Chark make some really alpha type plays. So I'm going to lean Chark a little bit. Give me the give me the one year younger guy. But both these guys, I think, are arrow up. And you know, maybe before today, you could have bought them really inexpensively. I think you can still maybe sneak them into a trade. I saw Chark kind of change hands in a couple of dynasty leagues I was in, and I like the price that uh, people paid for him, and I was like. A little jealous. And, you know, when you see trades like that, if you're in multiple leagues, sometimes you see a trade like that in one league, go to the other league and see if the other guy will take something similar. I do this all the time. Like, damn, I like that deal. Um, I wonder if anybody else will do that same deal for me. So now that we've covered uh, nameism with David Moore. Yes. We've covered ageism with DJ Chark and Terry McLaurin. So I'm my my final process, Jax, which is going to trump both nameism and ageism is going to be looksism. I think Terry McLaurin is more handsome than DJ Chark, so I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. Now that's yes, that's true. You win. He is. He's much better looking. I mean, you know, if you look at the headshot, Chark's got some issues, man, and and, and Terry's got the earrings. I mean, he's just a beautiful man. So you're right. You win. I. They're, they're both pretty. They're both pretty. They're both pretty. They're both pretty. But I have I have to go with. With Terry, he's prettier. Way to go. I mean, we're, we're giving the people what they want. These are the ways you break down players. I mean, you just look at their headshot, and whatever feels right, you go with that guy. I think that's the best way to do it. You're right. Moving along, we're going to go to uh, another one. This one is really good because I think both guys are – we're going to talk about two rookies who have really shown out, um, who were expected to show out. And, you know, if we're not talking about C.D. Lamb, who basically is the GOAT. I mean, let's not, let's not put anybody in that category, but – Probably that that number two guy right now is between Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy, both of whom look great. They just look outstanding, right? These two guys, I think we can say they're they're wins. They're not busts. They're on the they're on the scene. They're they're in. We're there. But if you had to choose only one in Dynasty, who are you taking? Oh man, this is this is tough because Again, uh, I was a little bit off of Jerry Judy um, compared to other people in the beginning. But I've since, you know, like it's funny, we started doing a lot more drafting and a lot more rookie drafting in dynasty leagues this summer before a lot of my redraft leagues. And it's funny, I, I was leaning towards Justin Jefferson in a lot more of my dynasty leagues. But then once redraft came around, I, I kind of felt, I don't know. I, it's it's strange. I don't know if you feel this way, Jax, but I do. I, I, I ebbs and flows for me. Like I, I can be high on a guy, then not high on the guy, and then back. I'm back high on the guy again. And and um, with somebody like Jerry Judy, I was totally off. I was just like, nah, he's okay. I think he's overrated. Alabama, blah blah blah. And then I just started like, you know, I saw a few plays and I was like, you know, this guy, this guy's probably pretty good. And maybe I should just get my hands on a few shares. So I'm, I'm quite impressed. Again, if you look at who's been throwing to him, it's not been all that impressive. That being said, I mean, uh, Kirk Cousins has not been lighting it up either. I like them both. I, I just look at just, Justin Jefferson to me is the safer route. He's the guy that I think is going to have a great uh, NFL career. And I think Jerry Judy, 
I think the the ceiling is higher and I think the floor is lower. So it really depends on, you know, your what you feel fits your your, your roster or whatever, but I just I've I've been a big fan of uh Justin Jefferson. So I'm going to go with him, but if you took Jerry Judy, I, I would not be surprised and I would not be hurt. And I think that uh if I have to go with my last looksism category, I'd have to say that they're both very studly looking guys, but Justin Jefferson is just a little bit sweeter looking. Yeah. The one that you can take home to mom. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Judy, you know, I mean, depending on the headshot you look at, I mean, you know, you might need a little help, you know, uh, you know, maybe a razor, a bath, whatever. I mean, he just needs, you know, a little TLC. Maybe just, maybe you bring him home to mama, mama help him out a little bit. But no, I'm, I, you know... <laughs> you're you're hitting the nail on the head with these with these takes. I feel, you know, I disagree with you a little bit in that I actually thought that and I still think that Jerry Judy's the more sure thing. I feel like he's as sure a thing as there was. I mean, I kept comping him to before the season to sort of a Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs mix and I love mm-hmm. I love that I said that. I mean, now it feels so much righter than it was even before. That was my comp coming through and I love it. I think I was right. Uh, so you're welcome, people. Yep. Listen. No, I'm joking. But seriously, I mean, that's so good. I saw Stefan Diggs make this play down the middle where he literally, quote unquote, mossed somebody today. And it was like the same catch that Judy made on Thursday night. I mean, both guys, you know, they're not big, but they're able to make big plays, um, you know, but they're also really great uh, technicians and route runners. I mean, that's what I see when I see Jerry Judy. I just see a guy who's going to be able to get open in the league, even if his skills diminish a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you can't be too slow, but you know, I think, you know, look, he could, he could be a Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen type, you know, as well, if he, if he sort of lost a little pop, but I think he's got that sort of that pop that Diggs and, and Calvin Ridley bring. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's probably, Oh my God, it might be Jefferson though, but because with Jefferson, I think that's where I actually do see the higher ceiling, lower floor because Jefferson has that explosion. Man, he played so good in these last two games. It was really good to see because I wasn't so sure about Justin Jefferson, you know, coming out of LSU, you know, you made the the statement that, you know, Alabama with, with Judy. Well, look, I, I kept saying, look, maybe somebody, whether it's Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, Joe Burrow or CEH, somebody might not be good. Not, not, you know, they're all good, but might not be this, you know, they're all going to be first round picks, right? I mean, all three of those guys were and Jamar next year. I mean, somebody may not live up to that billing. And when you started looking at who it might be, it was like, maybe it's Justin Jefferson. I don't think so. I think he's really good. And he's showing out on a team that was struggling with the pass game and, you know, insert Justin Jefferson and insert points and, and they got their first win today. So I think uh, it's, it's really tight. Uh, Randall said last week that Justin Jefferson was his wide receiver one uh, coming out. So sometimes Randall, I, you know, I like listening to Randall a little bit, so I'm going to just listen to him. I'm going to take Justin Jefferson here, but man, by the thinnest of margins, these two guys are both showing out. So, um, you know, enjoy uh, both Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy. If you've got them, smoke them, if you've got them, so to speak. Yeah, and and buy low on Jalen Rager because it, this is all about the ebbs and flows of football. Uh, w- one week, one guy is on the top, on top, Bingo. and everyone's talking about him. Then he gets hurt, or you know he he doesn't perform the way you think, 
it like we've seen this like because we we study this stuff every day every week of every year and you know we're into the rookies we're into seeing like you know who's who's got the momentum like there was a time that it seemed like oh Ayuk is it's his his team because Debo's out and then he didn't really you know he got hurt and then but then he's back and you know and this is the thing is like you're gonna see guys that um you liked not kind of perform well and then kind of lose momentum and then you start to question whether you like them or not in the first place and my my takeaway from it is if you like them from the beginning chances are you're going to just keep keep liking them even if they have bad days because in the end they will come good yeah this is a great take by the way actually it's an excellent take because you know when i say justin jefferson and and uh, Jerry Judy, and you're thinking about buying Jalen Rager, that's because you're just a smart player. That's that's being a smart dynasty player. Um, you know, if if Judy had gotten hurt and Rager was balling out, we'd be like, which guy's better, Jefferson or Rager, right? So, of course. And so that's exactly where you want to look is, hey, is someone getting tired of watching Denzel Mims and Jalen Rager sit on their bench and collect zeros while, you know, you've got Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson going ham? Yeah, maybe. And so they might just take less than they're really worth. And, you know, I, you know, everybody, when they, when they talk about value, they always say, is he worth a first or a second or that, you know, generally speaking, it's hard because there's a, there's a million players who aren't worth a first who are easily worth a second. And so we get caught up in that. Well, if he's not worth that, you know, look, a lot of times you just make a creative trade. I think I said it last week and I'll say it again. You put them in a trade with bigger stuff. You know, you trade this guy and that guy where they're about equal and you just ask for Mims to be included and Mims comes along. And then all of a sudden you have Denzel Mims and you traded you know, so-and-so for so-and-so and they're pretty close in your rankings. You know, Terry McLaurin and DJ Chark or whatever, you know, these other types of guys. So, you you know, you you know, you know, kind of say, oh, you do want Chark? Well, well, how about McLaurin plus something? And, and they'll do it. And that's how you make it happen. So that's how you get these guys, especially. I'm not, I'm not saying that Mims and Rager are throw-ins. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying, you include them, and sometimes you can mask their value that way, and they're sort of more they're e- they're easier to give them up because they're getting something else of of superior value. Oh, I'm getting you know uh, Miles Sanders for whatever some other you know piece that that isn't as as valuable you know whatever. I'm not going to call someone there because you'll be like, wow, oh, he's worth more. But you get my point, and then that's a great strategy. By the way, you brought up another name. Uh, Brandon Ayuk made one of the best plays I've ever seen. I know. Uh, were you sleeping? Did you get a chance to see this hurdle at the end zone on the end around run thing? Did you see this or did you miss it? I missed it, but I, I saw somebody post up an eggplant. So I thought it was probably a good play. <laughs> hey man, those, those undroppables group texts, we've agreed what happens in those group texts stays in those group texts. You are in violation, my man. Uh, I am telling the CEO and president what you've done, and you're going to be a big trouble partner. It's too late. I'm in the future already. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. No wonder you're always come out on top. This is ridiculous, man. But, yeah, man, he uh, he took an end around from, like, the 30. He jukes some guy, and then he was running for, like, the corner. And there was this – the safety was, like, literally at the five-yard line and, like, had him squared up and was like ready to you know tackle him, and he jumped over him inside and then like landed inside the pylon. And I mean, bro, it, bro Minshew Brofist is going to become Ayuk Brofist in a minute. I mean, it was it was it was pretty impressive, brother. 
I, you know what, I, I loved uh, not to get off, you know, the plan or whatever, but, um, you know, again, our process, we, we look at stats, we look at age, BMI, everything, but we, I also like to look at, uh, videos and, and see some of their game tape. And there was something about Ayuk that really stood up, that came off the page for me. Just, he's got this sort of, again, very similar to Debo Samuel. I was, I was watching the game today and I'm like, wow, they just drafted another Debo Samuel. And that's like, isn't that kind of redundant? But then I started to think about it and it's like, well, can you imagine trying to cover two Debo Samuels on the field? Two guys that are tenacious, are great after the catch, can use in so many different ways. I mean, they got two at their disposal. And now, you know, once they get their quarterback back and they've got Kittle on the field, talk about an explosive, um, you know, they've got so many running backs to choose from that they can all deploy uh, equally well. And so so Ayuk is someone I remember uh, in the process at watching his tape and, and watching his ability to catch. He had great hands and his ability to, uh, contested catches like he, he's not the biggest guy but he he plays so big and so yeah we were talking about you know Denzel Mims another guy pick him up for nothing and yeah you you kind of laughed about the throw-in but he is a throw-in you know to you and to me he's not a throw-in to you and to me he's value but to the person that is you know, operating in a knee-jerk reaction of like, hey, I drafted Denzel Mims and he's just not done anything and he's on the, you know, the pitiful Jets. You know, this guy's going to do nothing. And we're like, yeah, you're right. Can you throw him in with this other guy? And then we're leaving really happy. Brian Edwards is another one. I mean, Brian Edwards gets injured. He's, he gets drafted later. And then, then you know, there's this huge thing like, oh, Brian Edwards is the best. You know, he's he's great player. He's He's got great hands. He's underrated. He was draft late. And then his, his value skyrocketed. And then everybody was on Brian Edwards. And then, you know, he's been hurt. He hasn't done much. Everyone's off of Brian Edwards again. And so that's where Jackson and I go in and say, Hey, dude, um, uh, we'll we'll trade you this guy for this guy, and just throw him. You know, oh yeah, you got Brian. Yeah, Brian Edwards. Yeah, just throw him in too, and the guy would be like, yeah, he's done nothing, and then we're we're leaving really happy because we know the potential of these guys. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, if you play in leagues with with people who don't know, that's the best because you know you can kind of. You know, as long as you're the guy that's picking them, you know, it's it's awful when you're playing with another guy who knows and he keeps picking them. You're like, damn it. I wanted to pick that guy <laughs> off. But, you know, so you got to You got to make sure, you know, you know, your opponents. And it's true. You got to know who, who you're dealing with, because some guys will just look at you and chuckle when you say throw in, you know, Brian Edwards. They'll start, you know. Yeah. OK. Cute move. Yeah. OK. But um, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, just to go back to it, you know, uh, they ran the ball once in the first half with Debo. They ran it once in the first half with Ayuk. They ran it once with Kittle, and they, they seemingly never went back to those sort of reverses and jet sweeps. And I wonder if that – I don't know what they'll happen there, but San Francisco loses a big one. I, I thought that was one they, they really could have had, should have had, and if they would have had it, it puts them in a different spot as, you know, obviously uh, Seattle's 4-0. So that's a tough, tough one for them to drop. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and like victory lap myself, pat myself on the back one more time, maybe not one more time. I mean, it's probably going to happen a lot more, but certainly this time for sure, again, with one of my favorite two players, but certainly the one that the, the alpha here, 
uh, Gabriel Davis again uh, with just an amazing uh, performance as he's kind of this fourth banana, you know, as uh, in, in Buffalo, uh, Cole Beasley looks really good. I mean, I watched a lot of this game, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, but I watched a lot of this Buffalo uh, Raider game and, you know, Beasley looked good. Uh, Diggs is outstanding. Um, John Brown made an amazing catch. Uh, just, and then, you know, uh, Gabriel Davis gets that first touchdown pass. Uh, this kid's for real. He's going to have a, he, he still might fly a little bit under the radar because, you know, they've got so many other weapons and they're all currently healthy, but they, 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 they seem to be make concerted efforts to get Gabriel Davis involved. And, and, and the other guy uh, that I thought, you know, would, would sort of show out a little bit uh, who I think these two guys are both by lows right now is, is Darnell Mooney. Do you have a preference there? Do, do, do you, do you like Mooney or, or what do you think between those two guys? I like, you know, those are two guys that I have a lot of because I like them both um, for different reasons. Um, I'm a UCF fan, so um, I have to like Gabriel Davis. And it just so happens that even if I wasn't a UCF fan, um, I would love the guy anyway. I love his size. There's just, a, again, I'm going to throw in the looksism because if you've seen a few pictures of Gabriel Davis, the guy that I think he comps most to for looks is OBJ. And so he's got this kind of like a few of the picks that he has. He's got kind of the dyed hair. He's got a little bit. He's just got this look of a, of an alpha. He's got this look of this swagger. There's just something about this guy. When I saw pictures of him, I'm I'm just like, this guy's got this certain look and it's a terrible process, but you know, I can't help my terrible process. And so I've always been a big fan watching him at UCF. He's been, you know, I'm a Traquan Smith fan too. I'm not a Brashard Perryman fan though. Gabriel Davis just got the, I mean, he's, he's tall, he's big. He, he brings something. I mean, I don't know about redraft this year. I think he's going to be hit and miss. Like, so I don't know if he's necessarily a good pickup because you just don't know when he's going to be, um, you know, which week to play him. But for Dynasty, like if you can get him now, you, you should have gotten him a long time ago when he was really cheap. But if you get your chance to get get him now. And um, the other guy that you mentioned, Darnell Mooney, I'm going to couple him with another guy that I'm a big fan of who's done absolutely nothing. So this guy, um, Darnell Mooney, um, is doing what I thought he would do. And this other guy has done nothing because he's been injured. But Quez Watkins. Yep. These are two very similar players that I love. These are these smaller, fast, you know, um, uh, very similar in college production, size, BMI, everything to Darius Slayton, a guy that I've whiffed on. I, I was not a Darius Slayton fan, and he's actually one of the few players that I regret. I don't own any of him, and he's a guy that I, I wish I did. And so I was doing some research on these guys and they, they just fit his profile so well. And I, I just knew like an aging Ted Ginn in Chicago just really opened up the opportunity for a guy like Darnell Mooney. So I have him on a lot of teams and I have a lot of Quez Watkins as well because I, I actually was a bigger fan of Quez Watkins over Mooney out of the two, but he's done nothing. And he's, he's again, he's, he's not even a throw in. He's like, who is this guy? You know, you, you can pick him up anywhere. So he's one that I think for dynasty wise, just pick him up. Because if you look at the Philadelphia receivers, I mean, I, 
clearly, you know, Elshon might not even make it back because he's, you know, so broken. And um, Jaws is, you know, we don't really know what's going on with him. And Deshaun Watson's old. And so, and, you know, everybody was higher on John Hightower, which I wasn't. And he was drafted, I think, maybe a little bit, uh, maybe around ahead of Watkins. I was a big Watkins fan. And Hightower has really done very little with his opportunity. So I just see the, you know, the future. And I'm talking about the immediate future in Philadelphia because he's coming off of IR like this week or next. He might be a guy that you could just go pick up and, you know, speculate. But I, I'm really high on all three of them. Um, Gabriel Davis, to me, is just ahead of the other guys just because he brings the size. Beasley's going to be gone soon. Brown's, you know, wrong side of 30. So I think Gabriel Davis is going to be a stud, and these other guys are going to be great players as well. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. I feel like the exact same way. I think that the the sort of crowd in front of Gabriel Davis might insulate his value a little bit and protect him from – because, look, if if one or two of those guys weren't there, Gabriel Davis would be going off right now with uh, with with Josh Allen the way he's playing. Um, so I agree with you. But you know, Darnell Mooney had uh, nine targets today. Um, mm-hmm. So just just you know, I mean, that's something. That's something we talked earlier about. You know, paying attention to those targets. Um, just a you know a really good showing there. I think he is slowly ripping the toy out of Anthony Miller's hands, right? They're just on the playground. He's just taking the shovel and he's like, that is my toy. And so, and Anthony Miller's going to be crying in the corner, asking for mommy in a minute. Uh, That's what it looks like. You know, they're, they're still, both of their hands are on it, but Darnell Mooney's got that look like it's mine. Um, You know, you mentioned Quez Watkins and John Hightower and, you know, when guys when guys are that inexpensive in a rookie draft, I usually recommend trying to get them both because, you know, it's kind of like, what are the odds one of those guys hits? I don't know. What are the go- what are the odds one of the two of them hits? I don't know. It's higher. So now you took a you know fourth round or fourth and fifth round picks, and maybe you kind of, you know, you're not probably going to hit on both, but you're probably not hitting on both if you take two other guys, you know? So you kind of say, well, Maybe one of these guys hits. And then if one of them does or doesn't or one goes on IR, you have the other one. So, you know, in this case, we couldn't have predicted that Quez would or wouldn't get hurt. But Hightower today played a little bit. He had two targets. He, he actually looked pretty good. Um, you know, he he ran, a, I think, a full uh, complement of snaps last week. I, I don't remember the exact number. But, uh, you know, so Hightower is definitely involved. Um it's kind of a mess there. One of my one of my old uh, crushes showed up and made a big play. Travis Fulgham out of Old Dominion, man. I was like, you know, and and it's funny, man. Being the the dynasty nerd that I am, uh, you know, Fulgham gets the catch in uh, Al Michaels and a uh, unknown. I'm like, screw you, Al Michaels. He's not unknown to me. I love <laughs> Travis Fulgham. Go boy. So you know, it was just it was just a lot of fun watching that happen. Yes, I agree with you, and I think I think you hit the nail right on the head because. Uh, it's good to like a lot of people were like, well, if I take this Philadelphia guy, uh, why would I want to take another Philadelphia guy? Well, you, you have to think about like exactly the, the probability factor of you're going to hit. Uh, clearly there's going to be a rookie and it might not even be Jalen Rager. I mean, you know, most likely it will be because of draft capital, et cetera. And, and because of draft capital, it'll be, you know, how he's viewed by the coaches, but one of these other two guys were also draft, drafted later on with very similar speed, very similar, you know, ability, 
And, you know, this is what makes, you know, the Stefan Diggs exciting in the world. The, the Antonio Browns, these guys that are drafted later on in the draft that you know, really are better than their draft capital shows. And if you get two of them, you know, one of them most likely is going to hit. And then, you know, if you can get 50% hit rate on guys that cost you nothing, that is pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely right on the money. And, um, you know, we, uh, let's go Travis Fulgham too, man. Come on, man. Uh, so that Philly, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm picking him up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I've had him, uh, you know, I, I sat through him. I, I thought he was, you know, it was really strange that he didn't do anything in Detroit when they were just dying for a, you know, a, a third wide receiver or even a fourth and he couldn't find his way. That, that really is part of the reason that I kind of dropped him in some dynasty leagues, obviously, uh, given, you know, how, you know, how deep things are. You can't hang on to everybody all the time, but yeah, I'll actually be adding Travis Fulgham in a, in a couple of leagues based off of this performance. Um, some might say it's a fluke, but I actually thought he was a pretty good player. And, you know, I wondered why he couldn't stick in Detroit. It just didn't make any sense to me. It really didn't. So that's part of the reason I said, well, maybe it's just not there. Right. I mean, they needed a receiver and they didn't see anything in him. Uh, but you know, Hey, these, these, these things happen. Sometimes it takes your second, third, fourth, fifth team, you know, um, but you know, I, I don't think he's anything that's going to be a, you know, a meteor and, and become a, a, a wide receiver one or two, but, um, he's definitely worth uh, a speculative ad in deeper leagues. And, uh, especially if, you know, you have an open taxi, uh, spot or anything like that, definitely, uh, consider picking up Travis Fulgham Mo- moving on. We talked a little bit about, uh, Joe Mixon, you know, I, I just wanted to touch on a few things, you know, that draft class, uh, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, you know, here we are. And and I remember Dalvin and, and Joe Mixon were kind of like the two guys I really liked from that class. And, and it looks like they're kind of asserting themselves, obviously with Christian McCaffrey hobbled and Fournette hobbled. And, you know, these two guys are really uh, showing out and Joe Mixon had a big day today, but, you know, Dalvin still shows a little bit fragile, but you know, they'll, they'll spell him with, uh, with Madison here and there. As a matter of fact, Madison kind of, snuck a touchdown when uh, Dalvin looked a little, little gas there and, and sort of vultured a touchdown. But I, you know, as long as Dalvin stays healthy, he's kind of like, I mean, he's kind of a top four or five, you know, redraft running back or dynasty running back. I don't care. He's just, he's kind of dope. And you know what? I have to thank Jax for uh, Dalvin cook and Miles Sanders, because it's not like I'm not a big fan of either of them. I, I don't know what it is, but I've had reservations about both of them for different reasons. Miles Sanders mostly due to his usage in the past, and um, Delvin Cook probably I'm I'm uh, influenced by the fact that you know he's he's been fragile. But honestly, I I have picked both of them up um, more recently, and I'm just so happy with the results because both of them are studs. Both of them can run, catch. They're so good. And I think people really undervalue, especially Cook, undervalue him because um, you know he's 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 been injured. But but when he's on the field, the guy is dominant. Yeah, he's dynamic. Um, he, he's dominant, dynamic. I mean, I you know as you know, I mean, I called Dalvin from the beginning. He's one of my favorite players. Um, you know, I, I was a big Dalvin Cook fan when he was coming out. Uh, all the way through, I, I, you know, the, the year, actually the year after his uh, ACL, I actually called that too. I said, that's not going to be his year. I didn't draft him anywhere in redraft. Um, you know, I had him still in dynasty, but 
I was very, very concerned with that year. And, and it turned out to be exactly that. It was just that recovery year for a running back off an ACL. Uh, it's not usually that good. So wasn't too excited about it. It's kind of going to be a little bit now. Uh, Saquon's a bit of a superhuman. So we'll see how he recovers. But, you know, it's a little bit of a scare going into that that year, too. So, um, you know, that's also a concern with uh, with Saquon. But but it, getting back to, to Dalvin, he was so dominant. And he's, he's, he's that great combination of, you know, a very instinctive runner. He's strong enough and tough enough to, to carry for those extra yards. He's quick enough and fast enough to break free. He's skilled enough, excuse me, in the passing game to, to make plays there. He's just really a do-it-all kind of guy. And, you know, he's a chain mover. He's just a really awesome running back. And, you know, uh, I just, I absolutely love him. One of the guys I didn't love. And they, go ahead, Mark. And, and hold on. And they and they use him well. Yes. And this is my issue with Mixon. I mean, Mixon, as we both know, the guy is a stud. He's like, he could be, uh, athletically, he could be top five running backs. Like, he's he's that good. And we know he's good. We, we've seen, like, broken plays that he's he's made something out of nothing. And, that, yeah, he's been on a bad team, but they just don't use him enough. And so when, when they start using him and seeing what he's capable of, and this is why I, 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 I kind of fall for Mixon every year, and, and he's only produced really disappointing, maybe slightly above average uh, seasons, but I know his ability and I believe in him and I, I keep kind of like, you know, eventually I'm going to be right or wrong on it. But I really believe if Cincinnati and I got excited with Cincinnati getting Burrow and the way he used uh, CEH in LSU. I just I just saw that as a match made in heaven. And I thought, really, that's that was probably the impetus for me to draft him instead of a Elvin Kamara. You know, and it was a bad move. But at the same time, I just know that he's so big and he's so fast and he's so he's so sneaky and he's so slick and he's so he's amazing if you just play him in the right way and that's what Cincinnati needs to do and sorry I cut you off but go back to your 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 much better point to make no actually that was really good because it's true it's like Mixon really is usage right it's it because you know it's two things it was the the offense offensive line you know combo now the offense is not an excuse because they've got a you know uh They've got a great quarterback. That's that's already decided. We don't need to review that. We figured that out after week one or two, and it was cemented after th- three and four. But the, so they've got the quarterback. They've got weapons. The offensive line was an issue. It's starting to get a little bit better, although I, you know it's not all the way there. But it, then now it's just the targets. And and you make a good point about the way they use Dalvin and the and the way they use Mixon. Sometimes is not the same. You know, Mixon just doesn't get that you know, six, seven, eight targets a game here and there. He sort of never does. It's always, you know, one or two or three or four is a good day for him. So, yeah, if they were giving him a few more – and look, everybody knows you'd rather have the ball with a little bit of space to run as opposed to just sort of, you know, trying to find a way between, you know, uh, you know, 12 dudes who are 300 pounds. It's like, uh, you know. So I, I agree with you. You know, I think that that would be a way for him to become a better player and, you know – I kind of felt the same way. He, I was higher on him than most. You know, look, I didn't have him ahead of Alvin Kamara in, going in, but uh, you can make a case for that. I'm okay with that because, you know, when you look at Kamara, there were some issues uh, with splitting the backfield with 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 Murray. He got hurt last year. How, how rugged is he? He doesn't get a ton of carries. He's all target-based. What if Breeze gets hurt? I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? Is Breeze over the hill? Um, 
you know, Michael Thomas takes targets. There's a lot of sort of things that you could say I'm a little nervous about Kamara. But I actually, you know, certainly some in our group were, you know, were pretty big on Kamara as maybe the possible 101 and the possible RB1. Certainly got brought up on the uh, unscripted pod. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I think both ways, you could look at it both ways, but Mixon was that guy with with tantalizing upside. And the point I was going to make that 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 you very impolitely from Shanghai cut me off. I mean, you think you're so far ahead with the day and a half, whatever it is that you'd be able to see that I was about to say something. But either way, you know, the big thing that I, I've been kind of light on, you know, a guy that I've been really shy about both of my rankings and attaining him just everywhere has been Kareem Hunt. And it appears as though Kareem Hunt was a great guy to go get. Um, and a great guy to be rostering and a great guy to to have on your team because there's enough room for two backs. He gets all the targets and Nick Chubb may be hurt now. So boy, oh boy, wheels up for, for Kareem Hunt. I, ne- I never didn't like him as a player. I probably didn't like him enough. And today I fell in love a little bit. I, I watched some of that that game and, and he just looked so damn, uh, he, he's just really good, man. He's a good football player, simple as that. Um, so the, the, the Chubb, Kareem Hunt thing. I mean, I'm going to ask a crazy question. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt going forward? It's kind of interesting. You brought up Hunt, and I just it flashed back to uh, Elvin Kamara and Joe Mixon. Like Chubb and Mixon are kind of used similarly, are both good at what they do. And Kareem Hunt and Elvin Kamara are, are kind of the same as well. They're both good at what they do, except they get more targets. And I think that's something that I I fall victim of is I, I, I tend to like the bigger bell cow kind of esque guys. And I have to kind of keep telling myself, really, when it comes down to points, especially PPR, which we all play, you really have to chase the targets. And so I, I, I don't have an answer. I don't know if I can answer that because I, I do love Nick Chubb, but I, I think they're they're a lot closer than I think we would have admitted to say two months ago or probably a week ago. Um, Kareem Hunt, I'm, I'm a Kansas City Chief fan. And so Jackson and I, we, we, we just follow good teams, by the way. And <laughs> so I was always big on Hunt. I was big on Hunt the day he was drafted. I was excited. And when he had that first breakout season when when I forget who went down, I think it was Spencer, Spencer Ware. Ware went yep. down. Yeah. Where is he now? And um, Kareem Hunt just took, you know, took the, uh, what, what was it? The bull by the he, horns? He took the ball and, and ran with it. with it. He took the ball and ran with it. He literally took the ball and ran with it. Like, go figure. Yeah. So he's one of those sneaky guys. And because of the situation, we were always like, well, Nick Chubb is the kind of uh, alpha and Kareem Hunt's, you know, again, with, with his, problematic past i mean we weren't too sure he you know signed a really like small deal with cleveland we didn't know if they wanted they were looking to trade him there's all like a lot of cloud of doubt around um cream hunt but every time he touches the ball he's he, he just creates magic and he's so much more diverse than nick chubb nick chubb is a pretty good pass catcher you know but cream hunt is an excellent pass catcher. And so, and when it comes down to running up the gut, I mean, you can't really beat Chubb, but Kareem Hunt's pretty good as well. So it's a, it's a good question to have. It'll be interesting to see how long Nick Chubb is out. And, but I, I would still take Nick Chubb just because I think 
everyone still values him more. But I'll tell you, like, again, to sidestep from that, Hunt is the better value. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you know, and I'm wondering how long that's going to be the case is kind of my point in bringing these two guys up. I mean, obviously, their their values are converging at this moment because Chubb's hurt. Hunt had a better day. Um, you know, all this sort of stuff is happening as we speak. And, and it makes me think, you know, I think I was wrong. Here's some place that I was missing a little bit. And I maybe was maybe overestimating Chubb's ability to fend him off and maybe under definitely underestimating Kareem Hunt's ability to, um, to sort of take his own fair share. And, probably the moment that should have changed, not today. It should have changed as soon as Kareem Hunt got that contract, um, you know, for next year, that probably should have spelled something to everybody. Uh, It did to me, but maybe not enough. I should have slapped myself in the face when that happened and really woke myself up to the fact that I think Kareem Hunt, you know, is is expanding that role and is going to have some sort of a role and he's just so damn good. So I got to give it up and, and, you know, and, and just, Correction coming from Mr. Falcone over here on on Kareem Hunt. Uh, I saw something pretty special today, you know, and I, I'm I'm curious. To, this is going to be a good one for for the for the for the Master June because we saw a 43 year old Tom Brady go up against uh, what looks like a 17 year old Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, when he's sitting on the sideline, it, it looks like he's he's 12 years old or something like that. But whatever, he's 21, 22 years old. I mean, double his age. And they went toe to toe. Justin, I mean, we can talk about both these guys because, but there's something. I mean, there's got to be some Mark Mathic uh, special, you know, uh, commentary on the on the on the old man and 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 the young kid. Well, I do have a Tom Brady pewter special Tampa Bay jersey that I wear, and I used to hate Tom Brady when he used to play for that evil team that deflates balls that you so happened to follow but no I'm I you know a lot of people were just thinking that Brady was washed it was weird I I remember reading on Twitter it was it just blew my mind and it was like after two kind of lackluster performances people are like well I I guess that's the end of Brady and I'm thinking to myself first of all the guy's got a leash longer than any dog in the world and and this guy's this guy's you know every he's gonna turn it around he's he's on a new offense new coach new team I mean he was with the same team for over 20 years and I knew he would come good he's he's got the it factor and this is the thing is like there are a lot of good quarterbacks there are a lot of great fantasy quarterbacks but there's very few elite quarterbacks that are playing the game right now Tom Brady's one of them Russell Wilson's one of them Aaron Rodgers is one of them, and Patrick Mahomes is one of them. Those are four that, the only four that come to my mind, if if someone said, which are the elite quarterbacks, just choose four, those are the ones that I choose. So Tom Brady, nothing to worry about. He's leading that team to the promised land. And and, and when you, and I can't disagree. I mean, obviously, you know, the 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 best thing for a Patriots fan to have happen would be for, you know, for... Tampa Bay to face New England in the Super Bowl, right? Would be just that, that. Look, they were both awesome. You can all go fuck yourselves about the who's better, Belichick and Brady. You know, if anything, they were holding each other back over the last few years because they were just, you know, both vying for 
superiority. So, you know, but yeah, I, I, I mean, he's awesome. Of course he is. I mean, you know, the, the, the takes that, you know, well, if you wouldn't have won nothing without Belichick, it's like, yeah, he had a great coach, but I mean, Belichick never threw a pass. This guy made clutch play after clutch play. Obviously he's good at football. Like, you know, those are the most sort of, you know, vapid uh, criticisms you could ever have of a player, but he is also now 43 and, you know, in your spare time, just go check 42 year old and older quarterbacks and just kind of check the leaderboard on on what those guys look like you'll be you'll be happy to see that Tom Brady's the only guy with any numbers nobody's ever done this this is completely uncharted territory where he's where he's at right now uh the way he's playing through five he threw six touchdowns today one a charity pick to the other team just so they could feel involved as well well he he wanted he wanted Tampa Bay to to relive the Jameis Winston days so he, you know, once in a while, just throws like a a seventy yard pick six to the other team, just to you know, to remind the fans that you know it's still Tampa Bay because it is fun. And I just have to, interject, you know, I have to interject here, Stoner. This is for you, okay? Tom Brady's elite. Bill Belichick is a systems coach. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, I got it. Woo! That's excellent. Oh, stoner. Burn. Yeah. <laughs> Belichick, total system coach. Could never coach in any other system but his. What did he do with Cleveland? Nothing. What did he do with the Giants? Nothing. Ah, oh, no, no, no. He's a, he, if he went to Tampa Bay, they would be 0-4 by now. He's a systems coach. That's so good. Nothing. So good. There you go. Love that take. Herbert, on the other hand, I'll, I'll just say something about Herbert. I'm, I wasn't big on Herbert coming out of college, but it was weird in the, the whole – you know, we're drafting, you know, we got tons of dynasty teams and I just felt like everybody hated on Herbert so much that I was picking up tons of Herbert because of value, right? So we're in super flex and it's like guys are picking up these other guys and Herbert's like falling to like the end of the first round. And I, I even saw him go to the, like the second or third pick of the second round. And I couldn't let that happen, even though I was picking him kind of going, I don't know if I really like this guy. And I, I, I picked him anyway, just because, you know, quarterbacks are value in Superflex. And I'm just so happy that I did. <laughs> yeah, it's a great pick. And, and he looks really good. And, you know, I've got a, a, a really good friend, CMFK, who absolutely loves him. Uh, you know, we call him his boyfriend all the time. I mean, he, he just thinks he's the best. And, you know, he's, he's in one of my dynasty leagues or two, a couple of them, whatever. And, you know, like his grip now is so tight. He's never letting go. And, you know, you get you get some people who really liked him, um, and now you're getting to see what they saw. I know Term also really liked Herbert coming out. I was like you; I was skeptical. I didn't say he won't succeed. He had all the tools, right? He's he's a big, tall, uh, you know, really moves really well, has a great arm. Um, you know, I mean, he's got the tools. What we saw was a little panic in the pocket, but who knows? You know, that could have been coaching scheme. You know, they didn't have him properly prepared. Maybe now they know what they, they've sort of coached him to know what to look for. Um, a lot of that stuff is very important. You know, if you're if if you're coached to look for one thing and then the other thing happens, yeah, you're going to look a little lost sometimes. You know, which is probably why Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts because he's got gaze on the sideline telling him what's going on, and something completely opposite happens. I mean, you know, side note. Oh, Mathic, you should have heard it, man. Warren Sharp, you got to listen to the uh, the uh, the Ringer NFL Football Show with Warren Sharp. He just laid to waste the Adam Gaze 
Greg Williams combination. God, he he did such it was it was the greatest 10 minutes in podcast history. He just put those guys to shame. And and it's true, they're terrible and it's awful. And I can't believe they have they have a job in and, and it's so bad because now with COVID and everything, even firing those guys, you know, in 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 New York, I'm not even sure that fixes anything. That team is so dysfunctional. I feel really bad for Sam Darnold. They're probably going to end up with the last, you know, the, the the first pick, and they're probably going to take Trevor Lawrence, and then they're probably going to trade Sam Darnold. Is that kind of where this is all heading? Is this a Rosen kind of deja vu? But kind yeah. of a few years oh, later, a good quarterback. I, in fairness, I kind, of, I kind of valued Rosen and Darnold very similarly coming out of college. I wasn't high on either of them. I kind of like Herbert. I I, I wasn't um, wasn't too sure. Right. I I saw some of their tape. I you know their stats were okay. Um, quarterbacks to me are just such a such a mind fuck. Really, when it comes down to evaluation, I'm just always like. How do they predict that this guy will do well when clearly this guy's got better stats? And so, I, I, again, the whole process of figuring out a good quarterback is, is to me, still a bit uh, mesmerizing. And um, But um, I always found Darnold to look like, uh, you know, like deer, deer in the headlights to me. And, you know, speaking of deer in the headlights, then you give him Adam Gase, who looks like a deer in the headlights. Uh-huh. And then you know, ruined his career. And so the Jets are kind of in this kind of funk now. Do we, do we tank for Trevor Lawrence? And I'm not, I'm I'm not a, I'm not going to say I'm not a Trevor Lawrence fan, but I'm not nearly as high on Trevor Lawrence as I would say the majority are. I I got reservations about him as well. And it would be kind of weird because, you know, if they let Gase go, it's the best thing for Darnold because I still think he has the capability to turn it around. But if, if they get rid of them and they start winning. I, I, it's just one of those like catch 22s where they can't, you know, they can't win. So it's, it's tough. I, I feel, I feel for Darnold. I, it's not, I dislike him. I just don't know if he's that good with or without Gase, but definitely with Gase, he's just, you know, turned into a, you know, just horrible out there. Yeah. I think there's just so much dysfunction. Look, they need to clear the decks. Uh, but I, I wonder, I guess what I'm getting at, look, they clearly need to clear the decks. They need to get rid of Gaze and Greg Williams and, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the double, the bouncing G off, the, you know, Greg Williams' head. He hangs, out with, he hangs out with Luke Wilson. That's correct. Yes, they're all on the same chess team and they lose every week. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, he he's he's just an awful human being. It's so clear, like, you know, he he called Warren Sharp called him out for lying about having seven or eight other offers that he turned down so he could be on this team. Lying son of a bitch, you know, just an awful, awful guy with his fake hair, fake glasses, fake teeth, like yelling at guys, grabbing him by the face mask, old school piece of shit. So, you know, I love yeah. it. It was it was so good to hear because I loathe uh, Greg Williams, you know, from afar. But to hear an insider sort of, you know, just undress this fool was great. And, you know, performance shows, I mean. This guy's never, you know, done anything, and he walks around like he's king shit of the NFL. Um, you know, meanwhile, his team's just getting steamrolled by a backup, by two backup quarter, a backup to the backup quarterback. Uh, you know, a guy who's never played throws up forty on your stupid defense. So, just absolutely awful. Red Ripon, 
Yeah, man, I'm ready to go. I'm all fired up. Let's start the podcast. All right. Oh, wait, we are we recording? Is this good? Uh, but no, let's go, baby. I'm so fired up. But you know, and so I'm wondering now, it's just this sort of thought comes to me is, if they do kind of walk through this season, they don't fire him. Maybe they do. Who even knows? Even if they fire him or whatever they do, it's kind of a lost season. And then I wonder what happens to Darnold. I guess what I'm saying is Darnold is still younger than Joe Burrow. You can look that up. That's a fact. And so, you know, he's going to he's gonna be he, – he's still got his future in front of him. He's not a cooked player. It's not over for him. Um, I don't know if he's any good. We really kind of don't know. He hasn't had any weapons. I mean, he was throwing to a fake named unknown player, shout out ESPN, to Jeff Smith. You know, nobody knows who that guy was. I mean, literally, I I mean, I know every player. I mean, it's ridiculous. I didn't know who Jeff Smith was. Never heard of him. You know, so uh, God bless me. I just don't know who the hell he is. Still don't know, actually. But you're going to pick him up this week. You're going to pick him up this week, though. (laughs) Yeah, I'll find out who he is that way. I'll put him on my roster. But no, I mean, but, you know, so... I wonder what happens with, with Darnold and, and maybe he's a speculative buy in, in dynasty. Cause I think, look, if you won't, if you have Darnold, he had a, a good fantasy game, but you know, I think there's a lot of worry with, with him and, you know, wait for them to have maybe another bad game. And he, he's a guy I'd start to be sniffing around a little bit because I think Trevor Lawrence is certainly going to take that spot if they're that bad all year, but move, moving along, I, I thought that was interesting. Justin Herbert's the real deal. One other thing there that I think is fascinating it's not really a dynasty take. This is just so Ty, Tyrod Taylor is about to play in a game. A doctor puts a needle through him and, you know, Pulp Fiction style fucking punctures this guy's lung. He's rushed to the emergency room. He's missed the last two weeks. Literally, team negligence has taken this guy's job from him. Meanwhile, this first round rookie comes in and starts playing so well captures everybody's imagination, clearly the better option, but yet the team is hesitant to say that, you know, uh, no, it's still Tyrod's job. I mean, we were, you know, because they're the idiots that, you know, stabbed this guy and nearly killed him. So they feel compelled to like, you know, hold his seat for him. What the hell nonsense is that? I mean, this is the worst situation I've ever heard. Uh, you know, common sense would make, make it so that they have to stick with Herbert, but you know, the, who knows what is going on behind the scenes, attorneys, who knows what, right? I mean, if I'm Terod Taylor, I'm like ready to sue their ass. You you guys nearly killed me and now you're giving my job away? You know, you got to call HR, am I right? Is that what they call adding insult to injury? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they call that. Poor Ty God. I mean, the guy, the guy, you know, like in fairness, he's never been elite. He won't be elite, but he's always been fine. And, you know, whenever he gets his chance, there's always – he always seems to get injured, whether it's because it's on the field or because, you know, they, they hire, you know, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen to, uh, you know, perform the, the, the hidden surgery, but it's, 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 uh, you got, you gotta, you gotta ride the hot hand though. I mean, you didn't want Justin Herbert to start this early. They were talking that he wasn't ready, but he has, and he's done well. So why, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And, and if this is your future, you know, stick him out there now. He's he's got a couple games that he's done well. He's building up his confidence. And even if he has a stinker, I mean, it's it's live and learn. I mean, he's out there. He's he's getting better, even if he isn't playing better. So you got to ride the hot hand. Sorry, Tyrod. Love you. Have you on a lot of my teams still? I'm not going to dump you, but you know, you have to go with Herbert. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, you know, Tyrod was a placeholder quarterback. 
well, place held. Thank you very much. Move along. Like he was never more than that. Right. So, you know, once the place has been held and the guy comes in and he's good, then you don't need the placeholder anymore. So I don't know what the, what the whole point is. I mean, this guy actually gives him the best chance to win today and tomorrow. And until he does something where he looks lost and needs, you know, needs to come to the sideline, he's my quarterback. 100%. You, I, I don't I don't even see a world I, I don't know how they could put Tyrod back in. I just don't even understand how it would happen. It the only way it can happen in my mind, because I think they, they would get roasted for it if they put Tyrod back in, is if Herbert struggles mightily in a game, then they have their excuse to go back to him. That's it. Um, but you know, finishing off here, we're gonna we're gonna call it quits here pretty soon. But I know there was at least one player you want to talk about. So you know, Mr. Josh Allen was was good again, and and I'd love to hear the Mark Mathic Josh Allen take. Let's hear it. Well, you know, uh, this year I was really off of Josh Allen, and I talked earlier in the pod about how I my ebb and flows towards players. Sometimes I love them, sometimes I hate them, etc. When um, Josh Allen came out of college, it was pretty clear that he was very raw, and but there was something about him that I liked. And I liked, I, sometimes I do this as well, and I'm not too sure if you do this, Jax, but sometimes when the um, football fantasy uh, world unites and hates a player, it, it, it causes me to like the player. I, I, I try to, I, I like to go contrarian, on, not, not on every player, but on some. And Josh Allen was that. So when, when he came out, I was actually a little bit higher on him than, than other guys. And then, but then I started looking at, uh, I, I did some quarterback analysis this uh, off season, and I and I kind of looked at you know yards per attempt and and every stat imaginable. And out of the fifty quarterbacks that were possible starters this season, he ranked forty fifth uh, on my list. And so I was, and then but he was being ranked at like maybe a, a top ten quarterback in fantasy. And I get it, fantasy and real life are, di- are different. But if you're not good in real life, your fantasy life isn't going to last very long. So I was off on Josh Allen. And I actually, again, kind of arrogantly was off of him. And on Twitter, I said a few things. And, you know, the Bills fans, the Bills mafia went after me and stuff like that. And I was a little bit of a dick and all this kind of stuff. But I, I, I stuck true to it. But I have to admit, after four games, now the argument is he has played um, – maybe one good defense and maybe three not so good defenses. Like we'll have to say that, uh, you know, the, the, the Raiders aren't that bad and Miami isn't that bad. So I'm going to say that their defenses are okay. And I'm going to say that the Jets defense is not very good. And he played the, the Rams who are good. So I, I thought that was a true test. Just listen to this as it stands going into the game today which he didn't do as well statistically, but did pretty well. Um, He was entering um, today's game ranked sixth in completion rate, seventh in yards, second in touchdowns, second in touchdown percentage, eighth in um, interception percentage. That means he he threw the, the fewest interceptions. Second in yards per attempt, second in air yards per attempt, third in yards per completion, second in yards per game, second quarterback rating, second in QBR, third net yards per attempt, third adjusted net yards per attempt, tied for first in fourth quarter comebacks, and tied uh, in second place for game-winning drives. And then I went and looked at his stats from last year, and he ranked basically between 
23rd and 32nd in all those categories. So he's upped his game a lot. And he still was tied for first in fourth quarter comebacks last year and second uh, tied for first in game-winning drives last year. So even though he, he was very good as a quarterback in rankings and in statistics, he still had that kind of moxie, that Gardner Minshew-esque nest that I do love in quarterbacks. And so I have to tip my hat to to Josh Allen. I'm, I'm still not 100% going to trust him going forward, but I've definitely warmed up to him to the point where, you know what, coaching does matter. And I think that Buffalo has got a great coach that um, recognizes Josh Allen's talents. They obviously adding Stefan Diggs was a great thing. You know, having a rookie like Gabriel Davis is a great thing. Um, but at the same time, a lot of it is on the quarterback himself. And so that, that could be my argument against Sam Darnold. As bad as Gase is, um, a good quarterback still needs to elevate himself, even if he's young, above the elements around him. Gardner Minshew has got nothing around him. He doesn't have a good coach. He doesn't have a good team. He's got some good players to throw to, yes. But at the same time, Allen, I have to tip my hat to Allen personally because I think he's really, you know, proven me wrong. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, admit that I was wrong and I'm maybe going to get on the Josh Allen bandwagon soon. I have to give it another couple games, though. Well, you sound a lot like my like your talking sounds like the inside of my head because that's exactly how I feel. I, I was fading Josh Allen for the exact same reason. I felt like, you know, if he if he couldn't complete more than 58 percent of his passes, if he couldn't, you know, I think I said on the on the pod last week, I was like, if you were the biggest Josh Allen supporter heading into the season, right now he's at 71% completion percentage. No one was saying, oh yeah, he'll be well over 70% complete. No, but nobody said that. Nobody. Like nobody was saying that, right? Like that that was outside of the realm of possibility. So I think there's definitely some regression that's gonna come. Of course it has to, but I don't care. He's playing this way right now. And and yeah, he's played four of the bottom 10 pass defenses. Okay. Yeah, sure. Like that's, but again, they were NFL teams. He played the schedule in front of them. And I agree with you. I think the coaching is great there. I think the, you know, the whole structure there is outstanding and, and he's holding it together miraculously. I thought he did a great job. I mean, it's just really cool to kind of watch him grow like this. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't hate players you know, at all. There's none of them. I don't ever wish for injuries. I'm never really rooting against the guy unless it's in the, my fantasy Super Bowl and I'm, I need him to not, you know, or if it's money on the line, but that's it. I mean, I don't hate any player specifically. So I love, I love watching these guys perform at this level and he's been fun as hell to watch. So, you know, my hat's off to him as well because I was not a Josh Allen fan. I thought he would eventually fall on his face and eventually not be in the league because he makes too many mistakes and can't hit guys deep. Well, I'll tell you what, his deep throw percentages, I mean, it's just crazy. It's unbelievable. I never thought I'd see it. So I'll eat a little crow on, on Josh Allen as well. But, you know, even, even as we sort of felt that way, I don't think either one of us would have said he's a bad fantasy quarterback because I, I definitely felt like he could play, he could throw 55, 60% completion percentage, and he's still going to be a good fantasy quarterback because – he he runs, he runs, rushes for touchdowns, and he does have a big arm, so he will make big plays here and there. So I always felt like he was still a good fantasy play. He's interesting, too, because he's he's been inaccurate in the past, but my buddy who's um, 
from Wyoming. Um, so obviously he's got a connection with the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, loves Josh Allen. We've been debating and, and, and arguing. And he brought up an interesting stat to me the other day. He's he's had 43 touchdowns. I, I have to look it up later. But in the red zone, he's not ever thrown an inter- interception. So as as bad as he is in the past, up to this point, accuracy, he still doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, which is kind of an interesting side note. Yeah, he's, it's the John Elway effect. The defenders, he throws it so hard the defenders can't catch it, even though it hits him right in the hands. But yeah, no, I thought I thought it was a, it was a great week of football. I think we kind of hit on a bunch of stuff. I mean, we'll probably we'll probably round this one up. But I did want you know you to be able to you know tell people where they can find you. I am such a big Mark Mathic fan. Again, at Master June seventy is where you can find him on Twitter. It's Minshew Brofist. He's a really fun guy. I mean, we could probably do a you know he's he's in Shanghai right now. That wasn't even a joke. He's literally there. He he teaches and you know he's like Indiana Jones. He's got a monocle out there, but at night he throws it off and like he's exploring and, uh, you know, he's in the, he's in the sewer ducts and he's rescuing people. It's amazing what he does in Shanghai. And we could talk about some of those, uh, those exploits, but you know, I think it's just better to be the man of mystery like you are. And, uh, I absolutely love this dude. Monocle by day, Cyclops at night. <laughs> but you know what? The truth is, Jax, um, you know, I love you too, buddy, because, you know, you're you're the guy that got me into the droppables, whether you think you got me into the droppables or not. Love being in the group. Um, you have to get on their site. It's amazing. The design is beautiful. Um, and I, I don't say this just for my designs, but Fantasy Dukes is a great designer as well. It looks great. The content is out of this world. We do a Discord before the games talking about who to sit and sit and play. I mean... It, we got everything covered and Jax is a major, major part of it. And and you got to follow him on Twitter because if you follow this guy on Twitter, you just become so much smarter. He, he'll drop out these nuggets here and there. And not, and I'm not just talking about the nuggets that get recognized by Matthew Barry, but like amazing nuggets, which that was a great nugget by the way, but he's just drops really intelligent stuff. And he's just, he just makes you smarter and makes you happier um, to be following fantasy football. So I'm I'm very lucky to, to know a guy like Jax and the rest of the Undroppables because it's a great group of people. Wow, that's, <clears throat> thank you. That's so that's so nice of you, brother. I mean, you know, we, we were friends first. So, you know, coming from a friend, that means a lot. You know, if someone says that to you who knows you, it's even better. So I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, hey, with all that, for the Undroppables, for Mark Mathic, for Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, We really thank you for listening. Have a great day. We out.